Episode 41 of Gaming NBS, sponsored by darktheater.net, home of the character folio. All right, welcome to Gaming NBS, a podcast where we talk about RPG games and other miscellaneous topics of geekery. I am one of your hosts, Sean. And I'm Brett. Welcome back, folks. Yeah, welcome. Welcome back. Damn it. Yep. All right, Uh, I'm in prime form. I'm I'm pumped, Brett. I don't know why. I got surge of energy. Do you? Did you? I do. I think you're lying. No, man. Just before we started recording, like, oh, I could take a nap. I almost fell asleep. It now would. you suddenly have a surge of energy? Yeah. The game gives me energy. Or the game. The the podcast? What we're doing here. What we're doing here? Oh, <laughs> it's either that or all that coke you've been doing. Gives One me. One of two. It's got me wired. I don't know any <laughs> coke dealers. You don't? I, no, I don't. Off. None that let's, I know let's, of. Let's talk outside the air. Oh, okay. Let's talk off the air. I think I can help you out. I don't want any. Shit's bad <laughs> no. for you. Kids? <laughs> Stay in school. Don't do drugs. Yes. Adults, do whatever the hell you want. Don't <laughs> do, do drugs. Do what you got to do. Get yeah. it done. <laughs> All right. Oh. Announcements. Episode 41. That's yeah, cool. episode 41. The one right before the meaning of life. Yeah, that's true. So, announcement space here. We've got, just, uh, today is, we record these on Sunday, so um, by the time this drops on Tuesday, this will be belated, but... I just wanted to say happy Father's Day out there to all the other gaming dads. And uh, for those of us whose dads uh, let us game, I had a number of friends of mine throughout the years who their parents, especially their fathers, don't waste your time with that shit type of thing. And uh, my dad was usually pretty uh, pretty supportive as long as I was doing good in school and keeping up on other things. He was more than happy to let me be smart, be a gamer, and do my thing. So that's cool. Yeah. And uh, it's as uh, as they say, you can't spell D and D without dad. So there you go. Oh, yes, yeah. Happy Papa's Day. So Sean, you've got a you've got two of them here. Should we start with the Will Wheaton, or do you want to do the the free RPG rant? What so do you we don't do? have we don't have like a an area a segment of the show where it's like Sean rants and or. Because the general topic is where Brett rants. Sean doesn't have his ranting space. We might have to do something about that. Uh, yeah, I don't know. Um, so I slide it into this one. So free RPG day was Saturday. Did you know that, Brett? Did you partake in free RPG day? No, I found out about it while I was... I, it was Saturday? Yesterday? I thought it was... Fuck. Okay, so no, I did not, clearly. I'm not making it up, man. It was yesterday. What's, what's killing me? It was actually at a gaming store... Yesterday, maybe they weren't partaking. Uh, apparently, they were not. <laughs> I knew nothing about it. Not all, not all game stores partake. Oh, tis a shame. So, to give you a reason why they may not partake is because it costs money. Ooh, they have to buy the stuff and then they give it away for free. Okay, I didn't know that. Yeah, I don't think it's free for the store. It's so free. If the store wants to get in on free RPG day. They have to do some sort of sign up, buy a bunch of gear, and give it away. Yep. Oh, all right. uh, it's probably more like they get more product and uh, in a box and then for like probably a discounted price, right? It's not going to be like a premium module that's going to cost the store 10 bucks and they're going to sell for 19. 
It's kind of these ones that some publishers put together for RPG Day, free RPG Day. So did you try to get in on this and were scuttled in your attempts or what happened? So let me explain to you my ventures with free RPG Day yesterday, Brad. I woke up in an effort to get to a store at a reasonable hour because I wanted to make sure that I got my swag. And I went to a store and... They're like, hey, here for a free RGB RPG day right this way. And I'm like, awesome. So I go over there, and there's a shelf. And on the shelf, there's like A, B, C, and D. And A, B, and C says, please take only one item from this section. Oh, okay. okay. Clear enough. Yep. Be courteous. Please only take one item from this section. D, you can take any one. So it's kind of like one from A or B or C. And one from D. I get it. Okay. All right. Uh, nothing interested me in D, so I left it alone. There were two products that I wanted. One I didn't know was going to be there, and one I actually went there to grab. One was the DCC GM screen for Dungeon Crawl Classics. Oh, God damn. Yeah. And the other one is- I should have sent you back in with a fake mustache to get one for me. And, there's, and there was one that was done by, well, I don't- yeah, I don't know. Yeah, Pelgrim Press. So they had they kind of they did two in one module. They did one for Thirteenth Age at Land's Edge and Knights Black Agents, the Harker Intrusion. Sweet, nice. So, so now I'm sitting there at the shelf, and I'm I don't want to. I could have probably taken one from, and they're so guess what? They're two in, two different slots. One is in B, and one is in C. So Sean could only take one. I'm like, God damn it. So which one do I take? Well, obviously you know because I just held it up to you. But I yes. took so I took Knights Black Agents. And I'll I really kind of like, okay, here's my thinking. I will take this. And I looked around the store because I know the kind of point of free RPG day is to get people in the store and buy stuff. Yes. Right. So I, I get that. And I was gonna buy something, but all the stuff they had didn't really interest me, and I didn't want to spend like fifty bucks on a book. It just it, uh, And if I did, it wasn't any of what they had. But they did stock up on some of the RPGs. Like their stock was up for the day than usual. So I, I kind of took my free, I looked around, they, they're, you know, they're out of board games. And I'm like, you know what? I will come back and I will buy something from these guys. It probably just won't be today. So I left and, and got this. But I really wanted that DCC freaking, and I didn't want to buck his system. So I went to another game store, not too far away from from the first one. Which we're lucky in Madison that if I had I driven to Madison, there's like three or four of the damn things. So I think there was only one or – I know there was two supporting free RPG day. I don't know if anybody else was. Okay. So I go to the other store, store number two, and I walk in and, you know, I I run into Matt McElroy. So if you don't know Matt – Matt runs Flames Rising, and he runs a lot of the stuff at Drive Through RPG, and he resides here in the Madison area. And I also run into his—I uh, don't—his uh, significant other, Monica Valentinelli, who—and they both write for like World of Darkness, and and she's a writer. She's done Firefly design. Oh yeah, okay, for Mar- okay. For Margaret Weiss, very nice. I haven't seen him in a while, and made small talk with them. Well. Matt says, hey, are these guys partaking in free RPG day? And I said, it is on the website. So if you go to free RPG day, they'll, they'll list all the people in areas that are, you know, partaking. 
So I, I'm kind of, and they're like, oh yeah, we are. The way they were doing it was they took out all the products and they put them in paper bags. One, okay. One by one, and they stapled the pipe paper bags bags closed. Can't see what's in it. And so it's random. So what they're going to do is if you buy something, they will give you up free a paper bag. And then, okay. And then whatever you get in the paper bag is what you get. Okay. Some sort of a potlucky thing. So while I I ponder this, I'm like, that's freaking stupid as hell. So this that is, is that's, that is rather dumb. It's an odd grab bag approach to this thing, which is not so, doesn't seem to fit the the uh, spirit of. So first of all, it's not free RPG day at that store. It's you buy something free RPG free. is included. It's not yes. free. It's included, right? That's where they used to get you. Like we got this place in Madison used to be um, American TV, and they would always give a bike away quote unquote for free. So when you went in there, you tried to negotiate like, well, the bike's got to be worth something. And if I don't want the bike, can you take money off? Right. So yeah. it's, there's a difference. And I think people got around that with like, it's in, so they would say, well, it's included in, in the purchase or it's free. So since it's free, you don't, we can't take any money off if you don't want the bike. Okay. Right. TV Lenny used to do that stuff. I digress. Anyways, I'm like, so that kind of miffs me, right? Because I'm like, all I want, and the reason I freaking came over was for that D- GM screen. Yeah. Right? And they're like, nope, only if you get lucky enough. So, And I told them, I said, dude, all I want is the DCC screen. And they're like, well, I tried to pick one out that was really thin. Because I'm like, it's the thinnest product out of all of them. It's a, literally a freaking folded cardboard, thin yeah. as hell. So I'm like... So I, even at the time, I'm like, well, I'm I got two products in my hand, so I'm gonna buy these things. They I get it. They give me my paper bag. I open it. It's the Pathfinder module. God damn it! I'm like, shit. This isn't one I wanted. But they got me. They got me to buy. So uh, so I give it feels, back. I actually suckered. I actually gave it back to him. I go, you know what? You guys can keep this. The dude literally looked like what? I said, yeah, I don't I don't want this. Uh. Um, okay. Like, yeah, I don't, that's why, I mean, that's how much I'm playing Pathfinder. I don't want a free Pathfinder module. I don't even. Yeah, you've got plenty of it. Well, actually, the way, and my thinking was, there's somebody else that likes Pathfinder. Oh, totally. So. Lots of people. Give it to Give it to him. Give it to the dude or dudette that wants to play Pathfinder. That was my thinking. Dude, I want a DCC. Like, I felt like, here, can you just take this back, staple it, and then give me another one until I get the freaking DCC GM screen? What's goofy is that if you would, doing it that way defeats a purpose, We and we bitched about game stores a couple times, we had a whole show devoted to it a while back. God damn it. But that, that defeats the whole purpose of, you know what, those DCC screens, man, those fuckers went fast. Guess what? I have a DCC community here that I didn't realize I was servicing. I didn't realize people were out looking for this. And they're coming to my store, and I should say, hey, do you like Dungeon Crawl Classics a lot? Why, yes, I do, sir. Oh, wow. Well, ma'am, do you think, have you checked out the new Lankmar book? What would you say if I got a copy of it for you? I mean, talk about a marketing opportunity, right? If you find out what what flew out of the store, ask them, why did you pick that versus the other five or ten other free things that were available to you? That's jacked up, man. Yeah, so I was I was bitter, to say the least. That's why I'm freaking talking right now about this but I mean, anyway so later 
later I go back to store one thinking, well, I'll just slide in later in the day. I will buy something now because I'm going to nab one of those DCC screens. And one of the reasons I got the Knights Black Agents over the DCC GM screen is because there was a lot of GM screens left when I left. So I'm thinking, well, there's not a, there's not a lot of, there's not a lot of people playing DCC maybe. So I went back, all the free RPG day stuff's gone. Like it's not even there. They like rearranged the product and everything. It's nothing's there. It was like, it never happened. And all the product is just kind of laying out. Now I didn't ask, like, Hey, did they take it off? But it was still the same day. So I got to think that they just, everything went. So now, now I'm probably going to end up buying the damn thing and it's going to cost me like six bucks, which isn't a freaking big deal. No, but I could have got it for free. Well, I would have probably paid for a product, whatever. I get it. Yeah, there you go. The go- yeah, I mean, on the flip side, you can always do the, what do you want for nothing? Your money back? They're nice enough to give you something. Well, that's not the point. The point of the offering, the point of the setup is to do all these different things, right? Yeah. Get people in the store to buy stuff. Find out, in my opinion, is partly to find out who's buying what. I mean, if, if holy shit, nice black agents and 13, everyone goes, oh my God, thank God there's a 13th age uh, adventure in here because I can't find any. Holy shit, you like 13th Age? Why, yes, I do, ma'am. All right, good. Here, boom, boom, boom. I'll get you this. I'll get you that. It's that that uh, the paper bag grab bag thing really throws me. The first yeah. one makes sense. The paper bag one, not so much. Yeah. No, it, the the paper bag one wasn't free. It wasn't free no, it's not. RPG no, it's Day. Not. The first store I went to was like, hey, here for free RPG Day? Yes, I am. Right over here. The only thing that the, we're asking is you only take one item from from the premium kind of sections. Totally get it, dude. I hate coming yeah. here and it's all gone because some whack job comes in and like scrounges everything. Yeah. yeah. Oh, I got to get one for my buddy too. You know what I mean? Come on. So I get yeah. it. I totally get it. And when I went back to, to store number two, I bought a uh, I bought a brick of D6s because, okay. because I ended up buying Fiasco and you need some D6s for that game. So I'm like, Correct. well, you know, fine, whatever. I spent like 50 bucks actually probably 60 bucks that day so i ended up buying at game store number two i ended up buying fiasco and uh weird wars uh two savage world setting another savage world setting that i'll probably never run again but i think the uh i like the the military stuff let's say the the moral of that story is uh, if you're um having to buy stuff to get the stuff that you're supposed to be giving away for free you're doing it wrong i guess whatever Weird. God damn it. Quit trying to fuck around and pull some bullshit and just do what the spirit is. Be smart. Just do what the other game store did and lay it out and say, here's the d- three different things. You can only pick one. Hmm. That's what I'm we're wondering. asking. Keep Honestly, it, I mean, keep it I behind just, the counter. Just, here's your choices. Which one yep. you want? Good to go. I'd love to hear what other people how it went down for them or what went or how it went. I think Mo Tusano had a thing on Google Plus where he said <laughs> no one local was doing it. Yeah, but he he got some cool stuff and some other people said, "Hey, look at my cool, the cool stuff I bought." I saw some posts out there on and the G Plus verse and I bought these four, but I got these eight or whatever it is that they got. So that's kind of slick. Yeah. Huh. Yeah. So there you have it. I just want to put that out there. There was something else I was going to talk about, but we don't have to talk about it right now. I kind of spent too much time on the rant. Okay. You don't want to talk about the other one? I don't know. Should I? Do we have enough time? <laughs> yeah. Okay. I will. Let's do it. Brett, it's, it's, it's fresh enough. Let's so talk. I Let's was talking it. to Brett today. He wasn't aware of this because he was kind of out and about uh, oot and a boot for you Canucks out there. But um, he uh, 
because you weren't in the G pluses when this was going down, but I posted it on mine. Will Wheaton, as everybody knows, was Wesley Crusher. And Will's been a geek for quite a long time. And you know he is the host of Tabletop, which is a popular YouTube show that features board games. He brings in he brings in YouTubers, like popular people that are on YouTube or, or mm-hmm. producers, writers, or actors or actresses from the industry that he knows, from the, you know, TV and movies, and sits them down and plays games with them. Well, apparently, I don't know the game, but one of the games they ran on the show, they didn't follow the rules correctly. Was it the board game show that was wrong or his Dragon Age game? The board board game game show. Tabletop, yes. And he apologized, so he wrote a blog post apologizing for the mistake and that they've made like 10 of them and he's really sorry. And then he went on to basically say, you know, we had a, we have a producer. He started out the first two seasons pretty good, but in the last, you know, this last third season, it's just been kind of a debacle, blah, 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 blah. So it's your producer's fault. You can't follow the fucking rules. And so really, (laughs) if you read it, he throws the producer under the bus. There is no freaking question. It wasn't like, so anyways, it's on his blog. It's open. A lot of the comments were like, dude, we get that it was a mistake, but you should handle it differently. You, you know, way to throw your producer under the bus. How now, about don't be a dick, Will? How about you do that? Don't right? be a dick. They, yeah. There's a few people that got really riled up. Like, dude, you're totally handling this wrong. I see that, you know <clears throat> If you, if you don't know Will, his rule for the internet is don't be a dick. And then there's people throwing that back at him like, oh, I guess your rule for don't be, in a, don't be a dick applies to everybody but you. You know, I mean, he's gotten a lot of flack for this. Yeah, he's, you, which you're going to when you do something like that. It's going to happen. So I know the producer. You know, I, well, that's right. He's I know, a friend of yours. I know the, well, I know. Well, I'm just saying you know the guy. You know the guy. I, I, know, I know the producer. I've interacted with the producer um, from a different life. Not really a different life, but I actually know him professionally. He was going to be a client of mine, and I had worked with him while he was employed at a particular place. I was going to help him develop something. And anyways, he went on to produce Tabletop. Well, uh, you know, he's kind of speechless. He's he's on Twitter, uh, and if you do your homework, you'll find out who it is, but I'm not going to drop names right at this moment. But anyways, he, he's surprised at all this, and... Uh, Anyways, I bring it up because I, I was telling the producer, I said, look, you know, you and Will get into a room, hash it out, and then, you know, get Will to apologize for, for being so, um, you know, hasty about his his post. He should have yeah. thought about it a little bit. He didn't. Um, and that everything's fine. And then when you're on the show, make it a joke. Say, you know, have a genuinely a rules question come up and then have you come out from like behind the screens with like five manuals in your hand and just go, oh, let me page through. I can find out what it means. And I said, gamers will get it. They'll think it's funny and everything will go on. And it'll go. It'll kind of just kind of pass. Yeah, that's one of those. It'll let this thing resolve itself. Right. But is it stews and you don't address it? People are going to be talking about it and they'll be watching to see what happens and. You know, I think there's an underlying, you know, and I talked to the producer and he, he, he is not worried about him. He, he's like, 
I'm not worried about me. I'm worried about the reputation of the show and, and how we'll approach this. Um, so, I mean, that was my, I don't know, you know, I don't know Will. I've never met him. I actually, I don't have an opinion for Will one way or the other. I really don't because I don't, I genuinely don't know him. I know he's a geek. I don't think he's, so here's another thing other people have talked about was he, I heard that some of the geek culture or gamers give Will grief because, well, there's a side to it where it's a production, right? On YouTube, it's popular it is will has touted that he's playing games that he personally finds enjoyable that's you know only part of his library or whatever yep so then they say well here's the beef we have you should know the rules because they're your personal favorites and your production so but i think gamer so there's a a, a small i think population out there just wants to ride the guy well, it's like anything else, right? I, oh, this was my favorite band. Now they're not because they're popular. Or, you know, I liked them when they were shitty garage. A buddy of mine used to joke that he yeah. was going to have a band and name them some shitty garage band and then a bunch of sellouts, change their name. Now they're just a bunch of sellouts. I liked them better when they were some shitty garage band. Oh, just so you could awesome. have that back. And, he's like, and they got to be like a Scott Punk thing. Anyway, yeah. <clears throat> where I'm getting is, yeah, he's, you know, he's famous within the, within the Nerdosphere. He's got loads of followers, tons of people like him. It's that whole you're not a real nerd because of X. You don't nerd the way I do, therefore you suck at nerd. Well, fuck that. I think my perspective is I don't know the reputation that I know of of Will is I don't see him being that asshole all the time, and everybody gets one. Everybody has a chance to make the mistake, whatever happens. If it turns into every time there's an issue on Tabletop or any of the podcasts or whatever it is he's doing, he's always it's never him, it's somebody else. That shit will catch up to you, but Do, you know, you gather, you gather up, you gather up your team, you figure out whoever the person is that has the most sense about them, whether there's an actual PR person behind the whole thing or a publicist Just a, and, attack, and, confront, deal, move on. Well, confront and deal with it internally, but externally, yeah, that's go, what I'm saying. we as a, as a, uh, as the show made a mistake, we're going to be a little more diligent in the future, and we apologize. The rules are—I mean, there are games that are rule have rules that are can be freaking confusing. Yeah, and I don't know the board game in, in specific, but I could tell you, like, if you're playing Battlestar Galactica, the board game, <clears throat> or even um, Shadows of Camelot, which isn't horribly confusing, but. I don't know what he was doing. Some of those, everybody against the game or everybody against the game plus against each other. There's lots of different nuances in some of those. And depending where you're at, I could totally see rules being missed. My buddies and I, we were playing Munchkin yesterday. And we got halfway through and went, shit, I think we're doing this wrong. We've all played Munchkin a billion fucking times, but it had been, you know, months and months. And yeah, lo and behold, we made a mistake. God damn it. So we had to, you know, move on. But it happens. And there's some people totally there's some people that just watch that show, not just, you know, yeah, it's fun to see people play some of these board games, but they also like the interaction and the commentary because they'll cut, right? If you haven't watched the show, go and watch the show. It's it's a good production. But they'll cut scene to the player, kind of side and they'll do a side note. And then they'll go back to the game, and then they'll cut to one of the players, like reality TV. Yeah, cast, right? and it's kind of jokey joke, and they'll make fun of Will or whatever. They'll make fun of themselves, so it's fun, and and people get that. Anyways, I just wanted to bring it up. Um, I got a thread on G Plus that talks about it, and I think uh, I think they just need to get over it and record. You know, and if people are badgering Will, they just 
Will just needs the, you know, he knows they're dickheads. Anyways, shall we move Interesting. on? Yeah. I think we should move on. Let's do some random encounterage. All right. Kick right. that door open, man. Random encounter where we field email, emails, voicemails, comments off our website and social media. You wanna you wanna read? I'll take the first one. I'll let you re uh, recoup yourself there. So Roger from uh, Google Plus commented on episode forty, our last one around cliches and tropes. He says, uh, <coughs> "Excuse me, cliches. I only try to avoid them when it comes to low level characters fighting giant rats or goblins." I like to try to look through the monsters manual for critters that the players aren't sick of. I totally get that. I've done the similar type of thing myself. You try to um, amp it up a little bit. Even if it's a dungeon, it's full of something other than giant rats, go- kobolds, and goblins just changing around a little bit. Totally get that. It's a good good approach. And finally, what I, from what I just gathered, uh, David Kenzer is the founder of Kenzer Co. Jelly was brought in as a uh, equal question mark I, possible you know partner when KODT Knights of the Dinner Table that is join the Kenzer family. Ken Whitman, Boo Hiss, that's Roger <laughs> of D Twenty Entertainment, kickstarted the KODT live action series. Uh, Ken's got a lot of flack in many different social media zones around his uh, kickstarting skills. I think Jolly slash Kenzer Co only agreed to it with the provision that Jolly and Barb Blackburn would be executive producers. Incidentally, Jolly is probably the second most exciting part of Game Hole Con that I'm looking forward to. Hootie hoo! So, yeah, Jolly's going to be there. That will be neat. Yeah, so Roger brings up that Kenzerco piece because I'm like, Jolly launched or his Kickstarter for the live action, uh, live action YouTube series featuring his comic. Correct. And I did. I mentioned like I think he's the one of the owners or founding members, and that's well. Kenzerko so Hackmaster is yes. part of that, and then Kenzerko also did um, Kingdoms of Calamar. I yes. think was yep. their um, was their three O uh, their D and D worlds that was out there too. So so Roger they also was, do aces. They also do aces and eights. By they the do. Yeah. So Roger was correcting me and set me straight. Thanks, Roger. I appreciate it. You want me to read the Sneezak? Yes. Go to Mr. Chris Sneezak. The Sneezak. That's what I'm a, I gotta record that. This one from the Sneezak. <laughs> All right, like Chris Sneezak from Misdirected Mark. Go over and listen to those guys. If you're not listening to them, by all means, they give us a lot of props. I listened to like episode 159 or 160 just today. I'm a couple behind. I'm behind, but they 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 always mention us. We got to mention them. It's it's a great symbiotic relationship. Enough, uh, but. If you like our style, you'll like their style, yep. um, by all means. Um, and that's Phil Vecchione and Chris Nizak host that Misdirected Mark podcast. He comments on G+, regarding episode 40, which is cliches and tropes that we covered previous to this one. Again, if you didn't listen to episode 40, start at 1, and then work your way up and you'll get to 40. So you both said a lot about tropes, both the good and the bad, and I agree with your assessment. Hey, all right. My pers- my personal feeling on tropes is they exist as a shorthand to provide everyone at the table a clear vision of a thing in the game in a few words. It's communication shorthand. So use them to get your point across as a GM in a clear and concise manner. Now, to go with the philosophy of play better games, damn it, I think a trope is a great place to start as a base. It provides instant connection and understanding for the group, almost like the base of a soup or stew, but a trope, like a broth, is plain, and using it 
too many times, just like eating the same food over and over again, will get stale. Now, if we take that broth and season it here and there, change it up a little, and add some other chunkier things to it, you have a dish with more depth and flavor. The same goes with a trope. Add some stuff to the trope that isn't a part of the trope, and you get something fuller and with more depth. The next thing is to have a toolkit of tropes at the ready and always be adding to the kit. That's where TV tropes can come in handy, uh, but be warned. It is a mythical labyrinth where you will probably get lost and lose hours, if not days, of your life. If you have a rotation of tropes, then you'll never get uh, stale, and when a trope from a while ago comes out, it'll feel like an old friend or a favorite dish rather than the same old, same old. Now I'm hungry. (laughs) Jesus, man. I just had this awesome Father's Day meal my wife and my kids put together, and now I'm feeling hungry again. This is crazy. Yeah. So uh, flavor, but, you know, right now I'm like, I'm, I feel like, I feel like going into the kitchen and putting something together. Exactly. <laughs> I could use a soup. I don't know. I'm gonna create it. What are you doing, honey? I'm creating a trope. What do you mean? Yeah. I'm gonna Tropes put a little too. sprinkle of salt here, a little. Uh, I'll tell you. I mean, this kind of the the TV tropes. That's a actual website. I don't know the yeah. the actual link. Maybe I can update it to the show notes. But I think it's TVTropes.com. Actually, <clears throat> is it TZTropes.com? So. Uh, Phil and Chris have talked about that on Misdirected Mark before, how you can lose like a whole afternoon just sorting through stuff. And that toolkit thing is um, kind of what I talked about when it comes to you know having that stuff at the ready so when things come your way and you need to grab on and go um, as a game master or even as a player, it's good to have that stuff with you. And if it's something you're comfortable and familiar with, it also becomes easier to modify it because it is something you're used to. You're not, you know, breaking open a new way to make. Once you've made an omelet a thousand times, you can start doing all sorts of crazy shit with omelets because you know what to do and you know when and where to crack them and break them and do all the different things with those eggs. So can it we, helps. Can we stop using food analogies? <laughs> I just want to see if I can get Sean to drool on uh, on the camera here. That's what I'm looking for. Oh, I'm so hungry. So hungry. All right, what we got next? Matt Martinez um, comments on our blog, episode thirty-eight OSR. It's kind of nifty. It's a, it's kind of a nifty coincidence you guys choose to do this episode now, as I just played an OSR game for the first time a couple weeks ago. On a whim, I signed up for a con game, con game of Swords and Wizardry White Box, and I found it to be kind of revelatory. Revelatory. Hmm. Almost all of my D&D experience has been with 5e, which I love to pieces, but there was something about the freewheeling simplicity of White Box that I kind of liked even more. What's wow. More, oh, cool. Let me clear my throat there. What's more, White Box attempts to emulate a version of the game that is not only out of print, but was also a bit of a mess in terms of how the rules were laid out. Well, that's, I, a polite way of, that's the polite way of saying it. Yeah, indeed. I, uh, Ahem, required an electronic copy. Well, I shouldn't have probably given his name about that. So he uh, got a copy um, to do some comparison. And I can only imagine that nearly everyone must have learned to play from people who already knew the rules. I can't think of any other way it would have caught, could have caught on the way it did because those little brown books are damn near incomprehensible. Yeah, I haven't even looked at them. I I can't imagine. I like, bought I bought a white box at Gen Con three Gen Cons ago. Paid a fair dollar for it. It was right in the wheelhouse, and you page through it, and you're like, "Wow, this is uh, 
it, it's amazing to think when you when you listen to if you read Dice of, of Dyson Men yeah. or talk to the old guys and women who have played these these old systems back in the day, and you want to look at them after seeing the awesomeness of what game systems are now, I right. mean, quite frankly, and comparing it back there, how the fuck did you ever play this game? How did they start a company off that game? Yeah, exactly. Right? Read this. Like, really? If I were to produce this, again, to produce X, that type of thing now, right. not going to fly in the current climate. But I think you compare it to anything else by Milton Bradley or somebody else at the time, a board game, this is revolutionary. There was no how to host a murder. None of that shit was going down. I mean... The types of games that were family games weren't anything like that. So it's revolutionary in and of itself, but still damn near incomprehensible. (laughs) Anyway. So he continues. Also, I like how it uses only one kind of saving throw and gives the option for ascending armor class. I will never understand the thought process behind descending AC, and no argument will ever make me believe it was a good idea. And I'm totally with him on that one. It never made any sense to me. It uh, just... To this day, I'm like, that's probably why I don't play first edition AD&D, because I'm like, I don't understand why minus 10 is great and how to freaking roll for that. <laughs> you got to look at the chart, brother. I know. Check the chart, man. It's with you guys. I know. Last but not least, S and WWB serves as the foundation for the sci-fi game White Star. I played that at the same con immediately after the S&W game, and I loved it even more. I'm hoping to run it ASAP. I wouldn't necessarily call myself an OSR convert per se, but I can most definitely understand why both seasoned and newbie players would get into it in equal measure. So White Star intrigues me. I haven't picked it up. It is an OSR-ish game, science fiction based. Um, the per, uh, James Spawn? Did James Spawn write it? I believe he wrote it. He may have. That was It was splattering it's periodically all. throughout... Yeah. Google Plus and other places, and because I'm not a huge sci-fi gamer, I went, oh, okay, cool. I kind of, I think I have a bookmark on on my browser somewhere to to take a look at it. And that might be one of those things that come game whole time. I'm gonna be like, all right, where the hell is this thing? Yeah, I might have, I might, I, I haven't picked it up yet, just simply because you know I need that like a hole in the head. But it has been getting a lot of buzz. Check it out, um, and you know it's it. There's stars without number. That's what I have, which is mm-hmm. OSR sci-fi, and there's differences between that and White White Star. Um, but yeah, I don't know. Give it a shot. Take a look at it. But yes, uh, well, good for you, Matt. Thanks for writing into the show. Thanks for listening. Um, and that's great, man. If you find your sweet spots, I mean, you can love anything, man. You can play D and D five E and Fate and still play OSR stuff. Yeah, I mean, the main thing is, are you still gaming? Don't do, I mean, don't pull a Sean and drop out of the hobby for years on end because you're you're going to miss a lot. You really will. It's it's so fun. <laughs> Poor Sean. <laughs> That's right. But it's it's such a fun hobby when I when Sean says, yeah, I got out of it for a while. I'm like, oh, man, that sucks. You got a lot of catching up to do, brother, because there's some really cool stuff that happened. Even if you take the personalities and some of the different inner company drama bullshit that happens. You don't even get into that. Just looking at the stuff that's been made and the cool creativity and the names and people that have come up seemingly out of nowhere and are making some really, really cool creative things. It's it's a great hobby that just keeps moving. So stick with it. That's the cool part. Yeah, indeed. All right. Let's get a word in from our sponsor. 
Michael Althauser, a friend of the show and sponsor, is the gamer behind the awesome dice bags available at grayedout.etsy.com. Yeah, I've got four of these awesome bags. These are stand-up bags, dual drawstring, tough as nails. He can do custom work. He's got a ton of things in his shop, custom colors, you name it, he can pull it off for you. Be sure to mention Gaming NBS for a 10% discount when you place your order. At the website, grayedout, that's G-R-E-Y-E-D-O-U-T dot Etsy dot com. All right, and at the end of that sound, strikes up the topic of discussion. Yes. So, I want to talk about improv. I talked about this a little bit in last episode, episode 40, around the tropes and cliches. And Sneezak hinted at it again there in his feedback to us is that kind of that kit, right, where you have these tropes and cliches at, at the ready. Um, whether Chris meant it as an improv type of tool or not, but that's what sticks in my head. And Sean and I have dished about this a couple different times. And after running a 5e game yesterday for my son and um, three of my buddies up in my hometown, uh, Connor, my oldest boy, came up to game with us. I improv the entire event. And I'm like, you know, that was fun. This is how I like to, this is how I like to run. There was, I had no... Real idea of what the character classes were, what the adventure was going to be, nothing until we sat down and made characters and said, this sounds like fun. I'm going to do this thing. And it was um, – we were all tired. We we gamed in Lenny's game until like 1, 2 in the morning the night before, so we're all a little groggy. But it was still a hell of a lot of fun. Everyone liked it. We had some really cool twists and turns, I thought, and the group had fun. So I love improving as a game master. You know, That's kind of how I run it. <coughs> and I know sometime improving. Some people are afraid of it. They don't like to do it. And some people think that it's when they have encountered it, either tried it themselves or had other game masters doing it, they found a lot of holes in a plot or they they see a lot of downside to it. So, Sean, I kind of wanted to chat through that with you. And I'm going to start off, as usual, by asking you, Sean, you run a lot of um, the pre-canned adventures, which is which I, I like, right? I mean, I'm in your Lost Men's of Fendelver. I like what we're doing there. Do you feel like... Um, when we go off on a weird tangent for you, you're like, look, oh, uh, sorry, you can't go over there. I don't know what to do. Or do you, do you feel do you feel like, well, I just got to improv this whole section. I'm OK. Oh, hop, on the, hop on the Sean Kelly train. We're going for a ride. <laughs> nice. I, uh, oh, Sean. I, uh, I don't mind. I don't care what you guys do. Well, no, do you? Do you like to improv? I guess that's the, the question. I mean, Brett, to me, to me, improv starts when I want to do something crazy. Like, all right, I'll just I'll make shit up on the fly. I'll just do stuff. The question is, does Sean improv? And the answer is better question. I have, I have, uh-huh. I have experimented with improving. <laughs> this, this is going to get ugly really fast if we don't watch it here. Rawr, um, no, but hey, I so I, yes. If you've listened to the show, Brad brings up a good point. I usually run canned adventures, and that's usually just prep. I don't. Sometimes I get writer's block, or I'll get, uh, I'll just get it, not a, I guess anxiety a little bit, like oh, I got to have something, and it's got to be prepped to some degree. So you know, if it's in a module, it's very straightforward. I can like okay, but this past Friday. Oh, that's right. You were telling me about Spanish. that. Sean and I went for a motorcycle ride uh, earlier today, and Sean was dishing to me about some of the juicy little side adventure he ran. Yeah. I uh, did, you, did you improv that whole thing? Did I, you, big guy? I did. Oh, nice. 
Improved. Uh, oh, I, <laughs> our whole tone and everything is just going completely like two dirty old guys in a school ground. We got to stop this, dude. I'm creeping myself out here. All right. All right. Shake it off. Shake it off. Well, you know, Steve was online. So Steve's a new player. Um, he's a new. I know Steve. Brett's met him, but he's new to the group. And it was the first time. And Brett and Kevin weren't going to be there. So five players would be total. And two of them are gone. And we didn't reschedule. We kept on track because I think, you know, hey, if I get three out of five, we can play. Now the trick is like, what do we play? I can't, you know, two of the guys there. So they're you're kind of middle in the in the middle of adventure, in the middle of nowhere. How do I? What do I do? Um, and so literally, like an hour before, as a matter of fact, I roll. I, I logged into roll twenty, and Steve was logged on. I'm like, you know, we don't start till seven, right? He's like, yeah, I know. I just got to upload my character and put in, you know, the stats and roll twenty. And, I go, okay, that's cool. I got about an hour to figure out what I'm going to run. You're like, shit, this is my private time, man. Here's my private time. What's going on? I got an hour to prep whatever I'm going to throw at you guys. And he kind of laughed. So I did. Um, Yeah. And you know what, Brett? It made me feel alive. (laughs) I'll tell you, man, from a prep perspective, I used to, I have um, an ex-girlfriend I had back in high school and early in college. Was was her name? Cat. Uh, I know her. Yeah, you've met Cat. No, I haven't. I think you have. Have no, you? No, I haven't. <clears throat> no, I haven't. She's a she's a she's a hardcore gamer. She lives in the same town I do now, of all things. And her husband, the guy she left me for, her friends with Susan. And I. It's weird. <laughs> the four of us should have her join your. You should have her join a game group, dude. <laughs> That's a little weird. That's a little creepy. Yeah. Anyway, um, point though is that she was. She's like this super alpha gamer person, and Kat was like into this, and she's crazy into it. And I had all these great notes for my vampire game, and I had this all this stuff written down. <clears throat> and we show up in an adventure one and this meeting, excuse me, a session. I'm going and going and going. I'm like, oh shit, I'm gonna change this. And she goes, that's not what you're supposed to do. And she looks at me and says that. And I'm like, did you read my notes? And they're suddenly like, oh, no, I didn't. <laughs> Total hand in the cookie jar, you know. Oh, uh, cat with the canary. Cheating. So I'm like, okay, fuck it. I'm going to just remember everything. I'm not going to write anything down. And that was back when I had very little other else to memorize besides shit for school and my gaming stuff. So all that crap was just crammed in my head. I took no notes ever <clears throat> for like 10 years because all we, we played every Saturday. When you played every Saturday, everything tends to be pretty fresh. You know, boom, we just did it. We're back here again. Bam, 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 bam. You play for six to eight hours at a crack. It stays pretty, pretty uh, fresh in your skull. But what I would I learned to do is I'm like, look, I'm going to do what I call my alpha and omegas. I'm going to start off with the kickoff of the game. I haven't I know what the ending is going to be like insofar as I know what the big thing is, whether the big it's a big reveal or I want to have a big fight or something kind of near the end. I've mentioned this before. I have a smattering of interesting stuff that I might run in the middle, and I've got some NPC concepts in my head. But otherwise, that's all the prep I'm doing. We run in and go. Here's the first thing. I kick this off. Everybody does whatever. As I said last time, I d- haven't done an in-media raise, although I did it yesterday, which is kind of fun, um, for the first time, which was neat. But the characters come in. They're in town. They do different things, this, that, and whatever. And then I want to go talk to the garbage man. I think you'll know something. Great. I take on the garbage man persona. I do this. I improv the entire event, the whole evening, and then come back and do it again the next week. That's what I used to do. And I still, for the most part improv the hell out of things. I do some prep if you count 
noodling on the game as I'm driving towards it or thinking about it. But I like to keep it as light preparation as I can. I really don't do a lot of pre-reading. I have very few notes. It's very sketchy. I'll keep some notes after a game session. Now we'll put it up on our group's wiki just so they can reference it and I can look back on it just before the game. Say, what the hell happened last month? Oh, yeah, this is these are five. Oh, yeah, shit, that's right. I wanted to do these cool things. Bam, kick my brain into it. But otherwise, I just uh, I kind of roll with it. I don't do a lot of prep, and I react to what the players are doing, and I just keep moving. So I know, for me, it helps me stay action-focused. It's a faster pace, it feels like. <clears throat> and all of my reactions to what the players are doing, to me, feels less scripted and more organic. So that's one of the things I really, really like about it. Now, I, did, I have had people in the past that I played with say, oh, I could tell you're improving. I'm like, okay, so what? Yeah, who well, gives a I shit? Mean, yeah, I'm like, is that bad? <clears throat> and so when I would, I pushed a couple people, I'm like, why do you think that's bad? And they said, well, when people improv, usually what happens is the plot becomes disjointed or it's inconsistent or nonsensical. I'm like, okay, well, does it feel like that? Well, no, you don't seem to be doing that. Although some things aren't quite, you know, linking together as well as if you'd sat down and thought about it. I'm like, well, okay, well, <laughs> it's a game. There might not, you know, some really good novels have big holes in them too. Okay, I, I guess I get it. But the other piece, the only thing that's really stuck with me when people said it's kind of a downside is that they will sometimes feel a lack of goals or direction. So if you come in with a character, it's like my life. Yeah, it's my, exactly. it's my career. Yeah, I've got one of those too. <laughs> but so, Sean, if you're going to play at the group, you come in to play in my Avalon fantasy game and you make Phytor, whose parents are Mr. and Mrs. Phytor, and they were killed by orcs in the Outlands, and you hate orcs, what do I do now? And you're waiting on me to give you goals and tons of direction, and you just want to be spoon-fed, which this individual back in uh, many years ago pretty much wanted – I'm like, well, yeah, I, I can see where my improv style is a downside in your opinion because I'm not saying, hey, it's a quest to go save the princess from the evil whatever or you're going to go kill this dragon that's been ravaging the countryside or you got to go kill or take care of this problem spy because they're a mole in the – or whatever it is. I, there was – you are more or less free to figure out what you're going to do and um, the world is alive. The NPCs react to what the player characters are doing and all that good stuff. And there's a plot and things develop and people figure it out. But I try to, to um, when I'm improving, I don't hand you a goal. Like say, look, your job is to deliver this from point A to point B. And um, once you do that, you have won <laughs> or you've accomplished the mission. There's not always a very clear mission at the beginning or sometimes even in the middle as you're figuring out the plot because it's very investigative in nature. So Sean, does that... You're giving me a face there. What do you think about that? <laughs> I'm letting it. I'm letting it all soak in, man. <laughs> He's thinking, why, why, this improv? Why stuff. is he on this show? God damn this it! Imp- why is he on my show? Oh, this improv stuff. I mean, you know, I'm kind of new to this, and it's kind of, you know, it's kind of, it's kind of fun. Serious? <laughs> You're creeping me out now. I, you know, I, I told, I told you earlier in one of the episodes, like, I'm just going to show up to, to a session and I'm just going to be like, all right, here we go. But I did do it. I, I, so I think my buddy doc does like a one pager, which is nice. So I kind of modeled it after that. So I thought to myself, um, I don't know. Did you ask me a question? 
Am I not yeah, answering did. the question? Yes. No, you're not. What is the it's question? Making, it's making me upset. So what I've outlined for improv there, does that when someone says, hey, I'm an improv game master, does that go, oh, that sounds like it's kind of fast-paced, action-focused, things moving on the fly, that's okay, sounds like it'd be fun, or do you think, holy shit, this guy has his head up his ass, he has no clue what he's going to do, and I just hope he knows he can, you know, draw some weird Umberto Echo connection, because otherwise it'll never work. Is it a funny, is he a funny improv? No, I'm not talking like... Is he falling down on his face? It's not like stand-up slapstick. No, no, no. Oh, not that kind of improv. But does... Do you want to play in that type of environment, or do you like, no, dude, I want somebody with a clear, defined... Mm. And there's there's shades of gray, of course, but... Yeah, 50, I think. I've heard that. I think I would be okay with that. I did have a problem with one of my old game groups where I think... And it wasn't improv, per se, because I think the DM... Oh, excuse me, GM. Oh, pardon me. Um, I think he knew enough of the world. It was homebrew, and he had kind of what he wanted to do and what he wanted to achieve. But I didn't know where it was all going to go, where it was going to take us. And I, I, I don't know if there was enough. Like, you know, there's some adventures where you're like, I could totally sink my teeth in this thing. It's so obvious that I'm going to just clamp down. I'm going to go this way. And it's going to be really cool and epic and great. And then this game, and I love Mark to death, but I was kind of like, I don't, I don't know where to go because it's so open, and it's kind of ex- exploration wise and learning this stuff. I'm like, eh, I don't know where to sink my teeth into. Now, in defense of what he did, he would give us like a, a half sheet of write up or something, and would give us that, and you'd be like, ooh right? Here's some stuff that I can actually hold on to and grab, right? And run with. Because I think, so imp, I don't know if that's necessarily improv. If I don't think it is. But, so to go to answer your question, because I'm going to answer it, damn it, Brett. Eventually, I know. Okay. Um, as long as you know that. Oh, I do, I do. It just takes time. I, it depends on their style. I think if it's, an imp, if it's a GM that can improv well, give you some of those things and circling back to how I got here that players can sink their teeth into great. If they're just kind of like winging it and it doesn't, it seems like they're, you know, pulling out stuff like really wacky, not wacky, but just kind of pulling it out to pull it out. Like, okay, let's start. Okay. Um, so you're walking along and, oh yeah, you got some, uh, monsters come up from the ground. Uh, everybody roll initiative. And I think it's okay, but if it seems as though it's kind of forced, then I, I'm like, dude. Or you're in a dungeon, you go from fighting goblins, and next room are a bunch of troglodytes. You're like, okay, so the goblins and troglodytes are 20 feet apart? Yeah. yeah. Does that, well, how's that work? Is okay. So I improv, so improv Friday night, I improv. I sat down in, in an hour, came up with some things. And so, question is that improving? Maybe not. Because I had, sat down and jotted down some notes and I saw in my head how this is going to play out. I'm like, okay, this is going to happen. This may happen. This may not happen. Here's the beginning. Here's the end. How are, what are they going to do? But I didn't have like, this is not going to be uh, an ongoing arc because listeners, I was introducing a new player. So what I did is two of the players, their characters, maybe context will help. Their characters are in 
the campaign and have been in the campaign for a couple sessions. So, and the players are. So how do I do this with two players gone, two players that are in the same group, right? The same four people and then a new guy. So Brett and Kevin are gone. Austin and Jim and Steve show up. So I'm like, how do I introduce them? Could be campy, right? So they start talking about, hey, yeah, what did we do last time? What are we, where are we at? Did we do this? Did we do that? Did we find out anything about this or that or wherever? Yeah, and we then, talked to the druid. We did yeah, the dragon thing. What yeah, are we going to do? What are we going to do? The castle? Right. And then I said, okay, these two characters, it's six months earlier. And you find yourself. Whoa. You find, so I took them. Flashback, man. Flashback, man. I, I rewound them. I, I went back to their history. And, you know, they didn't have their history, like, really fleshed out. And even if they did, who gives a shit? It's like six months ago. And this is going to be a real small blip in the, the overarching time of their life. So, so I, had you thought about, hey, I'm going to do a flashback. I'm going to do that. And you took some flashbacky notes. Or were you like, no, what? flashback right now. This is what hit me. I'm going to do no, a flashback. So I was thinking, I'm like, I'm going to get these three together in some way and they're not going to know each other. So how do I get that to happen? So I had to create an environment to do that. Should I go into okay. detail or should I not? I don't no, know. no, 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 that, no, no, this makes sense. Okay. So, so yeah, go ahead. No, no, no. no I was going to say what you did is cool to me because yeah. it's like, okay, I've got these three guys, new player and new character. You know what I'm going to do? I'm going to give them, <laughs> instead of saying, you guys have known each other before. Tell me what happened, how right. you know each other. Great. Oh. No, I'm going to force you to have known each other. So that when you encounter Steve's character for real, right. everybody's back together in current two weeks. Time. Current time. When we go back to current right. time, you say, oh, yeah, that's the guy who helped us break out of the slavers. Or that's the guy who helped us deal with this problem. And he's the one that did that wacky thing. Yeah, I know this or, guy. I know this guy. He's or, good. He's good. Or, or, or is it? Yeah. Or is it like, oh, those two bastards left me to fucking die. Lucky I got away. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. You I assholes. Have a with those I, sons I, I got a, I got a freaking yeah. So, flashback. They went through the adventure, and I cut it at a at a point in time where it was like, you know, two of them were going to escape, and one was getting grabbed by guards. And they're like, I go back to help. I go back, and I go, oh, and we're done. Nice. That's it. We're done. Like they're like they, to be you continued. Sh- you should have saw, saw their faces like a pin going to drop. They're like, huh? What? I'm like, what? no, what? we're done. We're what finished. Fucker? What'd it, you just do? It ends right there. So nice. nobody knows what happens after that point. So now I can take that to the next one. Now I could go back to the player and go, okay, this is what happened. Yeah, you could. I now like the, it. The only drawback to my improv with that situation was I kind of knew what I wanted to accomplish. The problem is, is you have to, I had to really put them in a box. I couldn't let them do a lot of choices. So some players may get pissed off at that for another, you know, so at one point I'm like, okay, here's the deal. You guys are in Neverwinter. You were at a bar. The bar breaks out in a big, huge brawl. The authorities come and they arrest you. They throw you in jail, blah, blah, blah. So some of that stuff, people would be like, well, I want, I would have tried to escape or I would have, how come I couldn't have a chance to It's kind of escape? that, it's if the railroad's interesting when the scenery is good, comment again, right? It's a bit of a railroady start. Yeah. However, remember, I told you it's a flashback. This has already happened. Right. Right. <clears throat> Whatever may or may not have occurred. Yeah, you can't change the past. No, you can't change a certain piece of the past. You might not be able to change, especially this piece. This is how you ended up in the situation that you guys met. And here's how we're going to go. 
so what I did on <clears throat> on Saturday morning, my so my son Connor um, and my three buddies, Zave, JR, and Kevin, was up there because Kevin and I were playing in Lenny's game on Friday, Friday night. So I say, okay, let's make up. The best way to learn a game system is we're going to make characters together. So we sat down following my, my theory from our character gen piece. We sat down. We made 5e characters together. Roll up all their bonds, their background stuff, <coughs> sort out different things. Who's got the folk hero piece? Who's the urchin? Who's the this? Kind of folding it all together. I said, all right, great. Everybody good? Good. Roll for initiative. Bam. I did my whole, I'm going to do it. Everyone fucking roll for initiative. It was goblins. And there's this big goblin shaman up on a hill. Uh, doing some funky war dance thing, calling lightning, and there was nasty brawl. They live by the skin of their teeth, kill everybody great. <clears throat> I had no idea other than goblins when I started. So it's going to be a goblin fight. There's four of them. I'll have five, five or six goblins just to make it seem tough. Goblins are cowardly. I determined they'll do this. And I'm just thinking of this shit as I go. Bam, this is what's happening. They're starting to lay waste to my goblins. I'm like, nope, shaman on the hill. You all notice a shaman on the hill. I dream up the shaman because I'm like, nope, this fight has to last longer. I want to push them, push the rules a little bit. Shaman on the hill. <sighs> they take out the shaman. They do this. What are we doing again? Why are you all here? Well, my character has this background. He's looking for a relic. Great. There's a myth about a relic or information around the relic. It's in this mine. Off you go. They start heading in that direction. They encounter a um, an old silver mine. It's been taken over by goblins. This goblin's name is Gorbag. He's this fat, nasty bastard who sits on a uh, on a <laughs> what I described as a wooden version of a radio flyer wagon. <laughs> being hauled around by other little goblins he'd whip incessantly. And he has these orcs that are following him around and doing everything he says. And they've got these collars around their necks. And he has this rod, a bone, and this funky crown on his head. Well, it turns out those are the magic items that allow him to control these orcs. All of that shit I just made up on the spot because I'm like, this sounds interesting. I'm just going to do this. There were That's no crazy, notes. crazy, man. You made it all up on the spot? <laughs> I did. You didn't read no, that I, anywhere? No, I didn't. Not that I remember. Remember, I yeah. If I pulled it out of something, it's some you know, however you know, twenty plus years of doing this or whatever it is, it's somewhere in my head. Like oh, I've done something similar, maybe I don't know. Like oh, right, this is what we're gonna do. So they start mucking around. Like oh, we want to try this. Want to sneak here? They go somewhere and they're it's boring as hell. They're in the camp. So I take a tip from Robin Law's Guide of Good Game Mastering. What's the most interesting thing that could happen right now? Encounter in their camp. There's five crows. What are these crows doing? Oh, my God. The crows don't fly at night. What's going on with this? The crows speak dwarven for some crazy reason. I decided that there's dwarves in the two hills over in a different mine. Oh, my God. Then they go over there, find out some stuff, get a secret entrance. They're in. I make up a map as I go. I'm like, oh, there should be a fork on the road here, and there should be this there. Turns out the goblins are trying to dig up some ancient, um, uh, basically a uh, shamanistic relic of this huge dire boar, a uh, big pig with these massive mastodon-like tusks all carved in ruins. Yeah, I just, I don't know, I just dreamed this shit up on the spot, and it's all based on the experience of doing stuff. And it's not like, oh, God, Brett's this amazing dreamer guy, he can come up with this crap. But that, to me, is improv The guy said, I had no clue what I was doing. Why'd no idea, run, I had the monster manuals. Why don't you run the, the uh, roll on the random charts? I didn't think about it. I yeah, could have done that. DM's guide, man. I could have totally random charted got that it. shit in there now. <laughs> they totally do again. But I just went, all right, we're going to do this. And I knew to push the guys because it was a 5e game and they not played. I want to make sure we hit all the different points. We, I want to make sure I force some skill checks, do some really cool spell stuff, lots of combat, do some sneaking, do some poking around, try in different racial bonuses, smack somebody hard enough so that they're almost dead. Somebody has to try to save. Um, 
but it was all just on the fly. And everybody, we all had fun. No one sat down and said, boy, this feels like you're improving. This feels like it doesn't work or this feels totally disjointed. Now, there was one phase at one point when someone goes, wait a minute, wait a minute. Brett, you said X, but we're seeing Y. Does that make sense? And I went, okay, hang on. Let me think for a second. Okay, let's let's wreck on that. Let's push it out. You know, instead of 500 feet, it's 1,500 feet. I'm sorry, mistake. I'm like, okay, no problem. We got it. Boom. It was a mild inconsistency, or at least they considered it a minor inconsistency. And we just, all right, fine. That doesn't really matter to what we're doing. Off we go. And they just kept running with it. So, you know, I made sure they had a goal. I figured out some sort of a direction for them that they could accomplish in a short period of time. But overall, it was just crazy shit that we just all thought would be fun and just kept going with. Could have played for hours, but Kevin had to leave. So just played, 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 watched the clock, went up, you beat the bad guys, off you go. Thank you all for playing, and then we were done. I don't know if that's... Now, I know other Game Masters I've met would be like, I, I can't do that. Right? I can't. I've talked about this with other players before. The control freaks. <clears throat> okay, freaking of. control freaks. GMs are control like, freaks. Yeah, I can't just sit down and, and make up an adventure on the spot, Brett. I need to have a dungeon map if it's a dungeon crawl, I need to know what's in each room and how the different things will react. Or I need to have an out, uh, you know, an overland map or a city map so I know who the main vampire players are in this city and or where the spies are. Or hey, this is where the aliens are landing, and this is the type of hyperspace drive they use. And they they want more detail so that they can make sure that they've got all this great data in the kit, if you will, for that particular adventure, so that they can roll with it. I think I probably I don't know how many people do it as completely off the cuff as I do. But I think the more towards the off the cuff you get, you know, you've got, even if you do have some notes, there are those kits, it's that kit perspective, right? We've got these tropes, these concepts, these ideas, this, as I say, my, my cool shit that's going to happen in between. I've got ideas of what I may or may not want to use. And all that's in my head or on a piece of paper somewhere. I've done it before in 30 plus years or however long I've done this since I've been, what, I'm 42 now. I started doing this in third grade. So, at some point, you, d- you dig in and go, oh, I remember this thing. This sounds cool. I'm going to do it. And I think the farther you get towards being able to do that, to be able to improv and off the cuff, I think the more fun the game gets, the less prep you have to do, and the more, um, I, th- I think the sharper your skills become as a game master, like what you did. You know, like, hey, look, I need to figure out a way. You know what's good? You'll be fun. Back in time, baby. Boom, we're back in time. Yeah. That's cool to do. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, that's good stuff, man. And I think you're the only one that does that. Yeah, of course. Thanks. <laughs> <laughs> hey, you know, I had, I had a good, no, now this is uh, on topic, believe it or not. And one of the things that I was impressed with was at ForgeCon one year, Luke from the podcast, who was down in St. Louis area, came up and ran Dungeon World. And it was the first time I'd ever played Dungeon World. You get the play sheets, which is, uh, a character concept. You kind of pick your choices and you make a character. But when he did it, he was like, he did nothing prepared. So, you know, I can't remember if it was part of the mechanics of Dungeon World itself or it was just something he came up with. But it was like, okay, hey guys, you guys are all part of a group. What's the group? Oh, in the service of the queen. What is the name of the group? It's this. Great. Um, okay. Now, she. there's an island uh, from uh, far, not too far from the kingdom. What's the name of the island or what, why? You know, okay. And then what's significant about it? In reading Dungeon World, I think it, it encourages you sl- strongly to do that type of thing. Like, look, you want to play fast? Here's a good way to do it. 
it's not all on you, Game Master. Right. Ask him what it is. Give him, give me data. Yeah. Which was the cool part for 5e was that we randomly make these characters, excuse me, with these random bonds and other components. Again, uh, kind of a callback uh, to Dungeon World with the bonds and such. But when you can say, hey, why would your characters want to be here? Why are they in this fight? Yep. Why are they doing this thing? You know, I took a, po- a page directly from Motusino from a couple episodes back where he said, mention, hey, you know. Yeah, I was just going to mention that, yeah. Yeah, do the in media raise thing. And I'm like, all right, fine, mid-action, baby. Why were you in this fight? What do you want in the planes for? Why are you near these hills? And they immediately looked at their character sheets and said, well, I think I'm here for this, and I'm here for this, and I'm here for this. Yeah. So I took that and built the adventure based around those components. <sighs> I think Solid. now if you were to go to a con and you were to play a D&D game or a spy game or any kind of game, now it sounds like Dungeon World is, is – um, is fit really? I've not played it. I've only read it. It's really kind of built towards this. But if you sat down and the game actually like, and how do I want to say this? There's. It's very clear. There's no prep. There's no pre-gen module. And you at some point, if you think, I think he's making this up. I think she's just dreaming this up as you, as we go. Would that? Would you be like, God damn it? Or like, all right, no. This is as long as it's fun. Are you still in? Or I guess, does the whole improv thing turn you off as a player or do you get into it? Well, I think that's tricky because I think when you go to a con, number one, if it's on the grid, you almost have to have some type of write-up. Unless you say, Dungeon World, come and join the adventure, and that's it. Good point. Okay, good point. I thought about that angle. Good point. If it's off the grid, and you know, say we go to Game Hole, which is November 6, 7, and 8 of uh, this year, November, uh, be there, be square. If I just sat down and I said, hey, I'm going to run Dungeon World. Who's with me? And they'd be like, yeah, yeah, sure. That sounds cool. I never played. Okay. And sat down. And then I think that, then I think it would be okay. Then I would, as a player, go, oh, okay. Yeah, sounds good. Uh, Let's make this happen. I didn't pay for this, so what the hell ever, right? Well, I didn't play, I didn't pay for it, and I'm I'm wanting to play. I want to play with Sean, or I just want to play. So Dungeon World interests me. That's cool. Let's do it. I'm not doing anything. Versus if you sign up for an event, you know, there was that guy that made that comment on Happy Jacks about Michael's game, you know, where he was like, yeah, it was catastrophe. And we didn't, you know, he's talking about this. And I thought we'd be doing some investigative because we were using the TSR um, Marvel Marvel superheroes game game rules. And, you know, it just was like right combat, the whole thing. Then it was done and no plot. You know, so then he was kind of like miffed because, well, his expectations were different and not met. So I think with a on the grid game, you kind of have to submit something like even, you know, whatever, even if, so in my situation, when I mentioned dungeon world, I could say you're in the service of the queen. You're going on a mission to find something else. So you can make it vague. And then when they show up, you can go, okay, here we go. Yep. You know, or, or you put it in the submission that says players will have direct, um, participation in the adventure right in creating the actual adventure now if people don't like that well it's not the game for them fair enough i guess for me is i have played with a number of different game masters over the years or seen them play and we've talked i've talked to different folks and some people just flat do not like improving like to have notes to go from and they may improv from the notes right so you're talking about game masters not players yeah. Okay. Where the where the game masters will be like, look, I've got um, uh, this adventure laid out where 
this is going to happen, that's going to happen, and how they get from point A to point B, or call it cthulhu type thing, it's investigative, they may go on a slightly different... <laughs> nice, the train. <laughs> but people will be comfortable improving, saying, well, if I do this thing, it's kind of still in line with my notes. Then they go and update the notes, saying, hey, they went left instead of right, and I had to make these five adjustments. And I've, I've honestly never done that. I could give a shit what happens. I've, again, I do it because I want my prep to be really, really low. I just want to go off the cuff and just roll with it. So your question there on the Game Master perspective, let's set that aside for, for a piece here and say, as a player, Sean, um, in your game, you know, mine's a Fandover, I had a brief time with what I have with my, my schedule stuff to make up my, my halfling, uh, m- m- Wardy, the little halfling uh, thief cleric. So during the game, it becomes, I decide, this is interesting to me. He, he loves to cook, all this you know, traditional halfling-y stuff. However, he's going to be constantly talking about his family. That's his thing. Grandma this, auntie that, uncle this. He's got, you know, he's <laughs> he's making up names. I'm making up grandfathers and so cousins and brothers and sisters and all this weird shit. And the players are going with it. I totally made that up. And I know that everybody totally makes everything up. But I did it on the fly, kind of improv through it. And you, in my opinion, to your credit, didn't say, that wasn't in your background. You can't do that. Well, I don't give a shit about that. I have had game masters I've talked to in the past, like, you know, like they use the character background as a hammer almost or a script saying, look, your background is not, you have no, you didn't specifically say that you like doing this stuff. So that doesn't seem like you're playing within your character, almost like a character police, if you will. They're doing and it I, wrong. They're doing it you're wrong. You're doing it wrong. <laughs> totally Don't freaking do that, GMs. You're doing it wrong. So this is where I come to um, where, and this may lead into a totally different topic for another for another cast here, but that's where I kind of get the concept of the fate points and some of the things where I, I personally don't use them in my group, but I could see where somebody would say, you know what? I, as a mechanic, want to be able to, as a player, improv this event and say – no, I do have a lighter in my pocket. I can start the fire. Or no, I do have this thing. I can I do have a cigar I can offer to the to the mob boss or or whatever it is where you you spend a point or a chip or something along those lines. And I think I I try to encourage that type of stuff in my players. On Friday, my buddy Lenny does the same thing. Friday in his um in his game, it's a World of Darkness game where we're playing. This is the one I've talked about before where we're playing teenagers. And my kid is uh, he's just going to turn 18, school's over, He's like, and he's this horrible ne'er-do-well type of punk based on a bunch of ne'er-do-well kids I knew from high school. And I decide I'm going to go rent this storage locker. And Lenny says, well, I think you have to be 18 to get one. I said, my fake ID says I'm 19. He goes, okay, that makes sense. It doesn't say anywhere in my character sheet that I have a fake ID. It doesn't say anywhere that I've done that, but it's in keeping with my character, and it does make sense. And Lenny's like, I totally get it. We're going to go with it. Doesn't? Oh, yeah. You just got to throw any- shit in there. Yeah, man. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. And yeah. I think and if you can do that as a player, doing the same type of thing as a game master isn't that big of a stretch. So I guess what I'm saying is that as players, I find that it's fun to be able to do that, to throw those things out and so on. And I think as a game master, the only um, – <clears throat> you still have the continuity perspective. You don't want to have – your character suddenly improving in this, I, I don't want to say it, in a wonky direction that has nothing to do with him, you know? He, he's been built in a certain place or she's been designed to be this type of character and all of a sudden 
they have massive change of heart. They're no longer lawful good. They're acting in a very chaotic format or something. Um, your paladin is, is getting wonky. I could see that maybe being a point of contention. But otherwise, I like having my players be able to throw out, no, I, I do have that. It's a small, nonsensical, uh, excuse me, not nonsensical, a non, an inconsequential thing. No, I have a pipe. That means I've got tobacco. That means I've got matches. That means I can do this thing. No, my character does smoke. That means I got a Zippo. All right, totally makes sense. You're an ex-Army guy. Army guys carry Zippos. You got one. Yeah. Done. Yeah, as long as the GM doesn't squash that shit and just let it roll and players are welcome to bring it up. Problem is, I get there's a lot of players I game with that just, they're like, derp. Like it's it's the sheet, and that's it. They don't offer anything. It's fifty feet of rope. I can't have any string. If I had if I had two inches of string in my pocket, it would say string in pocket. The creativity (laughs) that I have seen go down from the days of old is astounding to me. Back in the day, you'd be like, "I'm carrying a freaking bag of flour." Well, why? Well, because when we run into that invisible guy and just blast it up in the air and see their footprints. Or I bring a bag of marbles. What for? Well, why not? Okay, great. You know, you never know when you might need a bag of marbles. And now I'm saying that they're actually putting that on the sheet. But I would go as far to say is if it makes sense that you would have it, then great, you have it. I don't have a problem that I'm not gonna. I don't want to manage that bullshit. Now I don't want you to get crazy on it either. But players, I, I mean, I think the creativity piece has gone down a little bit, and that's why I kind of like. Uh, that's why I like Dungeon World a little bit because it puts it on the players. I like uh, DCC. I like 5e2. But I think it's just kind of like, hey, if you're if you want to bring it up and you improv your player character, and you know, and frankly, as GM, I would be more apt to say, well, you may not have that, but you have this or whatever. No, you don't have a bet. You don't have fifty marbles. I was thinking you carry like ten in your pocket, but right. fifty sounds excessive. All right, yeah, you're right. You're right. Ten is fine. Yeah, I mean, just yeah. I'm good with that as long as it's not too totally and utterly crazy. I'm, and it makes sense. If you could tell me that's with DCC when you're a zero level person and you're like, yep. I know this, I know this because I'm a farmer. Yes, you do. And this is where I think to tie to episode 40 when we talk cliches and tropes, when you are improving, I really do believe the more of those tropes and cliches, that is what helps me improv as a game master or as a player. Yeah. If you're playing, you know, super James Bondy spy or playing um, Buck Rogers or you're playing the superhero, um, there are certain cliches and tropes that go along with that. And at a certain point, even if you're not playing those up, there's a certain piece where you're going <coughs> to, excuse me, look to the game master to your fellow players and say, hey, I'm the f- motherfucking Wolverine, therefore I do this. Okay, that makes sense. It fits in your personal idiom or whatever you want to say. It fits you. That's good. Or it fits the world. That's good. Even if it's <clears throat> a cliche that's been flipped or a trope that's been turned on its head or something's mashed together, I think the key to becoming really good at improv is, again, not being afraid of those pieces and throwing them in there when you need them. When you've done it often enough, then, my, like I said, my prep goes down, 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 and... No, I, I rely on, you know, tens of years worth of experience of doing this and pulling stuff together. And it's easier to do it in a no prep game scenario because, yeah, I've done this before and I, I know how to do this or I can I can make this work. So. So there you have it. Let's uh, hear from you. Do you do a lot of prep or you don't do a lot of prep? And uh, do you do like improv? And 
if you do like improv, we'll pimp a little Phil Vecchione. Yes, never had, unprepared. Never unprepared, as well as the um, improv one, right? Isn't there the improv? I think there might be one. I, Phil and I were talking offline. I think they've got a new book coming out from the boys at Gnome Stew. I'm going to try to get a hold of one early and see if I can uh, do a little review for them over here. But no, I, un- yeah, no, uh, it's never unprepared. And there's another one that they had that's on improv. When I'm on Engine Publishing, if you go to enginepublishing.com, that's the website. And then their products are on the right hand side, unframed. Unframed. There you go. Thank the you. The art of improvisation. I'll tell you, to me, the, the cool part about those types of books, and I still strongly believe when you talk, you know, golden age of gaming or whatever, there's more really cool shit out now than there ever has been before. And <clears throat> you read those pieces of it, just because what I described here in like, you know, 45 minutes or whatever is not obviously the be all and end all of improv off the cuff game mastering. But I think it's reading those pieces of it, finding the stuff that, hey, Phil said X, that sure would work for me, trying different components of it, listening to different people talk about how they're doing it. Take the pieces that you know are going to work. If you say, God, I could I could never do everything Phil does. I could never do everything Brett said he could do. Who cares? Do half of it. Do a quarter of it. Do it or do it the way Sean wants to do it. I would like to do that, but I want to use more notes. Who gives a shit? Do it. I really think that for me as a game master and as a player – the more I start improving stuff and pulling things off the cuff, the more fun to me sometimes the games are. And it can, uh, from a challenging myself perspective, as a game master, it becomes even more challenging to run with less and less. It's, <laughs> I, kinda, I was joking with my wife the other day. I said it's kind of like the uh, minimalist survival guy, right? Going to the woods with nothing but your underwear and a stick and be able to come back out. You want to be able to walk into a game and look, I got a four-sided die and a number two pencil that's not even fucking sharpened. I can run this game. You know, there's something cool about that. I can run this game. I can right. run this game. All right, let's get on to die roll. Die roll, two to four <clears throat> miscellaneous points of gaming and geekery we want to share with you. Brett? I'm weak this week, man. Oh I'm just, God, I'm just down. So, <clears throat> not to get into a how much work sucks, but work sucks. Week. The cool part, though, was I had Friday off. I had Friday off to head up to my hometown. As I already said, I took my son Connor up there with me. I gamed Friday night and pretty much all day Saturday until we drove back home. And uh, so it was really cool gaming weekend. We got through uh, another great session of Lenny's World of Darkness game, the, uh, the Teenage Years game that we have. It's a lot of fun. I gave uh, the 5e a go with a good chunk of my crew. And when Zave and JR looked at me and said, this is good. I really like this. This is a good – I like this better. I, I like this. I like this. That's a big litmus test for my group. JR is a curmudgeon, love the love the guy, but he's, you know, he's old school to the bone and it takes a lot to get him excited about something. And when uh, we were done with it and Kevin had to get back on the road, Kevin, you know, is already a 5E, you know, he already likes it. But we sat there for a while, went outside, had a beer, sitting outside Zave's uh, apartment and JR's having a smoke. He said, "You know what? This is fun. I like this. I like I like the, you know, and just we talked for an hour just about it afterwards. So it was a really good sign." Another cool piece was I got to play some Munchkin with my son again, which is always fun. Just to uh, the backstabby craziness that goes on in Munchkin. It's always good. Even though we did it wrong for a little bit, but it was still fun. And I've got another one coming up this next weekend. I'm uh, getting back with some of those boys. We're going to do some more gaming. So good stuff. All right, Brett. Thanks for sharing. 
that's all I've got. It was cool for me, though, man. It was really cool for me. Yeah. If nothing else, if you're a parent and your kids are of gaming age, give it a shot, man. I'm serious. It's. A, it, I know this is, again, it's kind of, it'll be post-Father's Day by the time it drops, but the, the my kids now come to me. Can we play some D&D? Can we play Hobbit Tales? Can we play Search for the Dungeon Master board game? Can we play this? Can we play that game? Can we play Talisman? Like, I don't have three days to play Talisman. No, we'll play something else. Um, but anyway, they want to do this stuff. When it's rainy outside and crappy, we can't go outside and play. Can we do a game, please? It's really cool. They love the hobby. And uh, obviously, don't push it. But if they like it, man, it's it's a hell of a good thing. All right, I'll shut up, Sean. Your turn. Mark Diaz Truman, Patreon. Uh, Patreon effort for the e-zine Fate Codex. Fate Codex is a mostly monthly e-zine featuring essays, systems, quick start adventures, and more for the Fate role-playing system. So if you are a fan of Fate, you should check out Mark's Patreon uh, effort, movement, account, whatever you want to call it. Check it out. Uh, Yeah, he's been involved in Fate from a long, you know, since, I don't know, I don't want to say since its inception. I think he has a write-up, but check it out. You know, we have e-zines for some other games. There's one for Fate. There you go. Cool. Can you make money, number two, can you make money by role-playing? It is, this is what? a, this is an article, it's a, it's number five in a seven-part series that explores if it is possible to make money with your role-playing passion. Many gamers dream of publishing their own setting or system, creating a blog that the world adores, or simply earning money by actually playing games. But are those goals realistic, and can you really make money by role-playing? This is by RPG Alchemy. Check it out. Link in the show notes. Actually gives mm. some good numbers on how much money some companies actually make off of role-playing games, which I kind of wonder where he gets those figures because some of those people are not publicly traded. So I don't know how they come up with the numbers. But anyways, Just because I'm making up numbers doesn't mean I'm lying. I don't know. Number three, One Monk Miniatures. These are the paper standees for games. And I, it kind of stood out to me because... A lot of them are free, and they're not bad. So if you're looking for a resource, the ones that stood out for me were the cutouts for Star Trek. So they got some red shirts and some oh, cool. some blue shirt kind of character dudes uh, and dudettes that you can download for free, cut them out, put them on their little stand, and you know use them for miniatures. Cheap way to do miniatures, and it's a good resource, so bookmark that or check them out. And that's, yeah, there you go. That's my uh, die roll for the week, Brett. I think I we think, should start. Uh, I think we should start keeping score. I think we should. I think I'm ahead of you though, so far. I think we might have just broken. Let's say we've broken even on this one. We'll see what happens. So after the way we'll do it from here going forward is if we have die roll, we won't measure. We won't measure the die roll. It's if we have something to give okay. give to the listeners. If I do and you don't, I win. Okay. If I don't and you do, you win. All right. So we could be tied 0-0. Zero, zero. For a while. For a while. All right. We'll see what we can do. All right. So oh, the, why, I should I should throw this out there. Part-time Gods of Fate. Oh, boy. Kickstarter. 10 days to go as of today, the 21st. So by the time this drops, if you haven't got in, check it out. Do the, do the solid for our brothers. And I, will, I will admit to the misdirected mark, guys, I probably will not buy into it because I don't <sighs> – I don't do play it. Fate, but I'll throw you guys a bone. 
I will throw you guys a bone. I just don't play Fate, and I don't play Fate often at all, actually. And it's not by just my choice, but I will help you guys out. But I probably might not. I might not get the product. And sometimes I wonder if that's okay because they pro- they may make more money off me. I don't know. If I throw in ten bucks and they only make five off a product, I don't know. Maybe that's like yeah. good. The the wonky thing with Kickstarter's always is is that you know like you said with other pieces if you get you buy something like I don't know if I necessarily like the fate but the setting sounds really cool maybe I can work with that or whatever it is and you know again I'm not not pressuring the listeners out there but if it, it's cool you know I like Phil and Chris I like what they're trying to do with this thing I think it's definitely worth checking out so I will stop now I think we're done we are done so this has been a gaming and BS show. I am your host, Sean. And I'm Brett. Good night, good game and all.